0: Bible, go to Romans chapter 6. We started this series last week, just a quick two-week series on the bread, the wine, and the water. Uh, Last week, we talked about communion in advance of our communion service on Good Friday. Tonight, I want to talk about water baptism. Now, before you kind of zone out, listen, I know that maybe water baptism isn't the most Uh, exciting, make you run around the room topic to preach about, but I want you to really view this differently. Okay. And here, here's why we talked about this last week with communion. Communion is more than your little cracker and your little juice. Okay. There is power inside of revelation of understanding why we do what we do. If you partake of communion and you just eat your cracker and drink your juice, you're missing out on the power that's released whenever we partake of the covenant meal together. You with me? It is when you pair things with revelation that it becomes powerful. Okay, There are people all over, I know that the... Uh, Taylor Swift has got the, like the biggest concert tour on the face of the planet right now. People were killing other people to get, you know, selling their souls to get tickets uh, to the T-Swift concert tour that was going on. It was a big deal. Uh, it's still a big deal. And uh, y'all, you can't touch tickets for, they're ludicrously expensive uh, on the secondary market. Uh, and I'm going somewhere with this. I'm just talking about Taylor Swift because I don't care about Taylor Swift at all. I just broke some of your hearts, but y'all will be all right. There will be people that all over the nation go to these Taylor Swift concerts over the next, however long it's going on for, and they will yell, and they will sing, and they will shout, and they will jump up and down, and they will do all that. And there's nothing inherently wrong or evil about any of that. Don't misunderstand me, okay? But I am saying there will be no power released in the spirit realm behind what they're doing for a positive effect because, one, it's not being done to glorify God, but two, there's no revelation accompanied with the action, Whereas whenever we begin to shout, whenever we begin to worship, whenever we begin to sing, accompanied with revelation knowledge that what we are doing has an effect in the spirit realm, something begins to happen. Now, there will be people all over churches in America that scream, shout, and jump, and it still does nothing. Why? Is it because praise has no power? No, it's because revelation is what makes it all work. Revelation becomes the engine that makes it all work. And if you do something empty outside of Revelation, it becomes powerless. And there are a lot of people that partake of communion outside of Revelation, and thusly, it's a cracker and a juice. There's a lot of people that are baptized outside of Revelation, and thus it becomes just jumping in a pool. Y'all with me? And revelation is necessary in order to unlock the power of our action. Uh, Did I tell you to turn to Romans 6? All right, Romans 6, verse 1, it says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it? Any longer? I'm reading out of the wrong translation. No, let's put it on the screen for me. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Okay, read that again. Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Keep going. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Oh, hear that again. He who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. We can shout right there. Ten, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. We're going to go all the way through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of of the righteous, righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Stop right there. Now, a lot of scripture there, but there's so much truth in it, so much power in it. Uh, baptism, water baptism, let me back up. Baptisms are commanded in the New Testament. There are three baptisms that are mentioned or are mandated in the New Testament, right? There's the baptism into the body of Christ. Baptism into the body of Christ. There is baptism unto water. And then there is baptism in or of the Holy Spirit, okay? So the one that we are primarily talking about tonight is baptism of water, okay? Baptized into Christ means you are born again. Whenever you become born again, you are baptized into Christ. But then there are these two subsequent baptisms after being baptized into Christ that are intended to transpire in our lives baptism in water and baptism in fire. Okay? Baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit happen after being baptized into Christ. These are mandated. Okay what is a mandate a mandate is an order or a command a command is something that must be followed how many parents we have in the room how many ever commanded your kid to do something go clean your room go take out the trash right go do the dishes right whatever it may be go do your homework go brush your teeth Those weren't suggestions, were they? Sometimes they think they're suggestions. Anybody's ever kid ever thought a command was actually a suggestion? And I've said before to them, when they don't do what the father (laughs) or the mother has commanded, that wasn't a suggestion. We told you to do that, and whenever I tell you to do something... I expect you to do it. I don't expect to have to follow up behind you to make sure you did it. If I tell you to do something as daddy, I expect you to do what I have commanded or what I have mandated for you to do. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 28, go therefore, right? It's a great commission. Go Get out of here and go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We know in Acts 2.38, the day of Pentecost, right? Peter comes out. He preaches. Part of the message he preaches. Go, therefore, baptizing them, In Jesus' name, we see that in the New Testament, baptism is commanded. And water baptism, let me back up, think about this for a second. The one who has all authority gave the command for the church to practice the ordinance of baptism. I'm going to use a big word in a minute for it. But it's actually, it's not just an ordinance, it's a sacrament, that we've been commanded to practice the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of communion and the sacrament of baptism. And I'll explain what that means in a minute, just in a second here. But the one who gave all authority gave us authority to practice that ordinance. And if he has all authority and he told us to do it, then we should probably do it. Y'all with me? Water baptism was obviously part of the process of becoming a follower of Jesus. It was something that was present in their lives in the New Testament was baptism. Now, uh, I mentioned it a second ago, but early, early Christians called baptism a sacramentum. Okay, It's a Latin word. Uh, we, would, we call it the sacrament, sacramentum. And it's literally, the Latin word was, it's, it's really interesting because it's actually a military word. In Latin, it's actually a military word. And it was, uh, it was the Latin word for the soldier's oath of absolute devotion, allegiance, and obedience to his commander. Okay? So whenever we talk about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which, by the way, in the New Testament, they're called sacraments. They're not even called ordinances, they're called sacraments actually, sacramentum. They're called sacraments. And once again, it is this military, which well, I'm going somewhere, we, 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 we practice two sacraments in the church, okay? The sacrament of, I'm going to use another big word, some of y'all may get some PTSD from, which y'all be okay. The first one is the sacrament of the Eucharist, which is also, we call it communion, but in The early church, it was the Eucharist. Some people still call it the Eucharist. I I was talking to a friend earlier this week who said Eucharist in a school he teaches at, and a parent got offended that they didn't say communion and pulled them out of the school because they said Eucharist. And I was like, that's one of the silliest things I've ever heard in my life because it's literally a synonym. It means the same thing. If you want to call it the Eucharist, if you want to call it the Lord's Supper, if you want to call it communion, it's all the same thing. Don't get hung up on on a word. We're all talking about the same thing. So the sacrament of the Eucharist and the sacrament of baptism. Those are the two sacraments that the church is ordered to practice, and those things endure. Y'all with me? So sacramentum, it's a Latin word for the soldier's oath of devotion, allegiance, and obedience to his commander. Why do we do these things? Several reasons, but one of them is they are an oath that we are making to the Lord, our commander of our allegiance, our obedience, and our submission to him whenever we partake of communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, and also when we are water baptized, it is a giving of our devotion to him. Okay. Yes, it is obviously, and we'll talk about this in a minute. It is an outward expression of an inner work that's been done within you. Right? We've probably all heard that our entire lives. But even more than that, it is an act of allegiance to the King whenever we participate in water baptism. Y'all will? Y'all still with me? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many know Dietrich Bonhoeffer was? Anybody know Dietrich was? Okay, a few of y'all. How many of y'all? Well, I'll, I won't go down that road. I get myself in trouble. Uh, go read actually what... If you ever want to learn about Bonhoeffer, go read Bonhoeffer. Don't read the most popular biography of Bonhoeffer because the most popular biography of Bonhoeffer in the church gets it all wrong. If you ever want to really know about Bonhoeffer, go read Bonhoeffer. Uh, but Bonhoeffer uh, was a German pastor, theologian, minister. He's alive during... Uh, during. Uh, during the Nazi regime in Germany, he was actually part of a plot uh, to attempt to assassinate Hitler. He's really an interesting uh, figure, and if, if you, actually I don't have I don't have time to get into it, but what Bonhoeffer even thought about being a part of the plot to assassinate Hitler is really fascinating and interesting. But Bonhoeffer said this: "He who believes obeys, and he who ho- obeys believes. He who believes obeys, and he who obeys believes." If we really want to say that we are obedient to Jesus, if we want to say we are following him, we will be obedient to what he has commanded. We'll be obedient to the ordinance of the church. And part of that involves communion and water baptism. Are y'all still with me? I know this isn't necessarily exciting, but I'm trying to give you some theological grounding in why we do what we do, okay? We don't do what we do just to get an emotional thrill. There is theological purpose behind what we do, right? Theology isn't just for the, the smart or the, the, the elites or the, the bookworms. Theology is for us as believers. We need to have, you know, one reason, uh, I'm going to get on a rabbit trail and on a bit of a soapbox. You know, one reason we have so many young people that fall away from the faith is because they have no theological grounding in their life. And the moment somebody shows up that says some big words, they get shaken because they've never heard it in church before. Because we have played in the shallow end of the pool so much that there is nothing that's allowed roots to go down in their faith to really know not just what they believe, but why they believe. Not just what they do, but why they do. And when we let roots go down, and one of the ways we do that is through theology, then it creates a tree that is more... Uh, it's more difficult to shake. So I know this isn't exciting. I know this isn't running around the room. We'll probably do that on Sunday. So y'all just bear with me tonight, okay? If the New Testament calls for it, we submit to it. Jesus himself was water baptized by John. Jesus himself was water baptized by John. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And Jesus was baptized. Think about this. I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus was baptized into our suffering, into our shame, and into our sin so that we can be baptized into his life and life everlasting. Jesus was baptized into human suffering so you as a human wouldn't have to suffer any longer. Jesus was baptized into death so that you wouldn't have to be baptized into death. Jesus was baptized into shame so that you wouldn't have to be baptized into shame. It's part of that great exchange that we've talked about. Jesus was fully immersed, which by the way, not to get too deep down the rabbit hole, I don't think we necessarily need to go down this for too long tonight, but at High Praise, we do practice full immersion in our baptism. We're going to dunk you, you put it that way. You're gonna get dunked. That's the way it rolls, right? We don't necessarily believe in a sprinkling. We believe in a the, the, the word baptismo which is the 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 Greek word for baptism, literally means to be fully immersed. Okay. So we're gonna you're gonna get dunked. That's the way it goes. That's just the way we roll around here. Uh so y'all still with me? I know I'm gonna ask that, ask that several times already, but make sure y'all are with me. Y'all are being quiet. I'm just taking it. Y'all are just y'all are just. Marinating in it tonight, okay? So, why water baptism, right? Beyond just Jesus commanded it, why? Water baptism is a symbolic burial by which the new Christian publicly declares that they have died and that they are now beginning a new life in Christ. It's not just something so you can get a baptism shirt and hop in the pool and have somebody dunk you and you come up with your hands lifted and go, yeah, praise God, that was great. It is a, that outward expression of a symbolic burial, right? That's what it talks about in Romans chapter 6. That's what it talks about. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Whenever you go under the water, it is a sign, an outward expression... And I believe, just personally, I believe there's even more that happens than just an outward expression. But I believe something shifts in the spirit realm as, as well. Okay, Not that you become saved. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there is something that shifts where your old man is being, you're drowning that old man in a watery grave. And whenever you come up out of the water, it is a symbol that a new man is now living. That like how Jesus was put in the tomb, but he came out a new man. He came out glorified. That when you go into the watery grave, you come out a new person. That you are resurrected. You, you died with him in his death, and you are now resurrected with him in his life. Y'all still with me tonight? All right. Water baptism. Once again, baptizes is the, it's the English form of a Greek word that means to immerse. Or to place into something else. In water baptism, the believer is put completely underwater, then raised out of the water. It's a statement of faith. My old life is behind me. I'm a new person with a new life. Water baptism is a sign of repentance. Repentance means change. Somebody say change. How many of you ever heard that the, um, it really means a change of your thinking is what it actually means? The word is metanoia. How many ever, how many ever, ever heard the, uh, somebody say, repent means to turn around and go the other way? It's not really true. It's ultimately true, but it's, that's really not true at all. Right? The only way you can even turn around and go the other way is you have to change the way that you think. Right? If I'm walking this way, going to this end of the stage, and I suddenly pivot and turn and go this way, before my body can pivot and go the other way, something is already fired in my brain. That sends impulses to the rest of my body to turn around and go. I don't consciously think about that, but that's what's happening, okay? Whenever you repent, what you're not, you're not just turning and going the other way. You are changing the way that you think that causes you to turn and go in a new way. You can't turn and go in a new way without first changing the way you think. That's why we hammer this so hard in LRM that you have to change the way that you think. Repent means change the way that you think. Whenever you're water baptized, it's a declaration. I'm changing the way that I'm thinking today, and I'm going in a new way. I'm going in a new new direction. A change, not just a minor change, but a change that's so drastic that the old person is buried. The old person is buried. And the old person that was buried ain't Jesus, and it ain't Lazarus. And it ain't coming back. That's the declaration. It's being buried, and it is not... Coming back. Baptism does not make you acceptable to God as a work of righteousness. baptistness, b- baptistness. baptism, <laughs> baptistness too. Baptism <laughs> is not something that we do trying to obtain a good standing with God. It is not a work of righteousness. It is an expression of something that has already transpired within us. Okay, so we don't get baptized in order to get grace. We are baptized because we have obtained grace. We don't get baptized in order to obtain mercy. We are baptized because we have already obtained mercy. Water baptism outwardly demonstrates what's happened inwardly, water baptism helps you to grasp. The, re, the, the reality of the spiritual truth that the old you has died. Now, hear this. Water baptism is only as important as the participant believes it to be. Water baptism is their confession and a public commitment. And unless the person believes that they've really died, the old them has died, there's no need for a burial. Baptism is, we say this with, once again, I'll go back to LRM. We say this about LRM all the time. uh, At least I've said it all the time. You will only get out of it what you put into it. You will never get more out of something more than you're willing to put into it. And baptism is the same way. You will only get out of it what you put into it. It's not a magical potion. It's not magical water that's sprinkled with pixie dust. It's water that comes from a garden hose. that's hooked up to the sink in the bathroom over here in the, the utility sink that we have in a closet. That's where the water comes from. It ain't magical. Trust me. It's not magical water. The water does not have magical properties to it. Whenever we partake of communion, it's not magical bread, magical juice. Came from Amazon, like most things. Y'all with me? But you, it doesn't mean there's no power in it. There's power in it whenever you invest in it. And you will get out of it what you put into it. It will be as serious as you want it to be. And the old you can be buried in water baptism if you take it seriously. And that's the profession that you were making. I want to make, make, make sure this is clear. It's not something we must do in order to impress God. But it's something to impress on our own minds what has happened to us inwardly. Water baptism is for our benefit, not God's. Water baptism is for your benefit, not for God's benefit. Water baptism is about death, your death. Death is the end of something. It is the end of the old man and the beginning of a new. Water baptism is your public declaration of the death of the old man. It's a public confession of faith. I've died to my old life and my old ways. Now, a major benefit to the believer is, is the clean break that water baptism makes with their past. And this is also why I generally encourage people like get baptized as quickly as you can after you get saved. Right? It's not some sort of like if you don't, you might lose your salvation thing. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is it does bring a clear line. And when the devil tries to bring temptations and accusation and remind you of your past and the old way, you can reply, that person's dead and buried. That person was put in a watery grave and he ain't coming back. She's not coming back. I remember going in the water. And I remember that old person being left in the water and a new person emerging out of the water. So an enemy, you, can't, you can talk about that person all you want. You can eulogize them till the cows come home, but that person's dead and that's all you're doing. You're not talking to me about anything that's still active in my life. That old person's dead. They've been put in the grave. That person was put in the grave, but I came out a new creation. Water baptism is that point of separation, dividing the old from the new. It says the past is dead and gone. The line is drawn between the old life, and it becomes graphically imprinted upon our mind when that new life began. We even see this with Jesus, right? Jesus was baptized in water, and it literally marked a line in his life. For 30 years, Jesus was the carpenter's son. And after he's baptized, a voice comes from heaven and says... Behold my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. For 30 years, he's the carpenter's son. And at baptism, a line is drawn. And he's no longer the carpenter's son. He's the beloved son of God. He had always been called and always was the beloved son of God. But there's this line that's drawn at that point. There's a dividing point. And he's no longer known as the carpenter for them. He's known as the miracle worker. He begins his ministry at that point. It draws a line. Baptism draws a line and marks a new new season in your life. Okay, Water baptism pictures the most fundamental truth of the gospel, burial and resurrection of Jesus, and of our union in him. By means of water baptism, we demonstrate to the world our identification with the crucified and risen Christ. By baptism, we testify that old life is gone. We're now joined with Jesus. We're pledging ourselves to a new life with Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. Now, I want to kind of close with a couple thoughts. I want to. I make mention of this first. People ask, "Well, how do you baptize? In water." That was a joke, in case you didn't get it, and didn't know where I was going with that. Seriously, this becomes a real hot topic. With people, How do you baptize? And what they mean by that is, what do you say when you baptize people? Okay? Uh, and we have, we have one place where Jesus says, go and uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Then we have uh, Acts 2.38, which famously he tells them to baptize them in the name of Jesus. So, if you want to know how we baptize people at high praise, uh, we just do all of it. We just say, we're going to do... Every bit of it, we baptize people. We go in Jesus' name. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You baptize in the name of Jesus and in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can't get off on any technicalities. We got you covered. All right. Honestly, it's not something that, and, and I'm not, I'm not condemning anyone who makes it a point of, uh, of theological. Uh, something they feel really strong about or anything like that. I'm not trying to de- to uh, uh, demean anyone who's like that, but it's something we simply do not make a big fuss over. The most important thing to me is people are getting water baptized, not the ceremony of what, of the order of the words that are being said in. Can somebody say amen? amen. So we're just going to baptize them in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dunk and take them out. Amen. And new men and new women are being immersed. Now, one of the other things I want to talk about is, is baptism required for salvation? There are some people that believe baptism is required for salvation. And at times, this is a major point of contention and discussion within the church. So let me weigh in a little bit by saying this. At the beginning, I want to make sure I'm clear. I believe that Christians should be water baptized. And the church says, amen. Amen. I believe scripture is abundantly clear that as believers, we should be water baptized. And the church said, amen. Amen. But let's just dig in for a moment. Can we dig in for just a second? Uh, In in Luke 23, we have the account of the crucifixion of Jesus. One of the accounts of the crucifixion. But in this one specifically, there's great attention paid uh, to the detail that Jesus is crucified with two men on either side of them. And at the crucifixion, The thief says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks to him. He says, truly, I say to you that today you will be with me in paradise. Now, how does that fit in? And it messes with some people's theology in a lot of ways because Jesus didn't, didn't have an altar call. Jesus didn't go through some sort of great theological dissertation. Jesus didn't lead him down the Romans road. Simply, something that happened was the thief looked at him and he recognized him as Lord. Right? He recognized him as Lord. He professed him as Lord. Didn't say a pretty sinner's prayer. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the operative word there isn't, hey, 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 dude, remember me when you get there. Hey, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Jesus says, Surely you'll be with me in paradise. There was no opportunity for baptism. There was no opportunity for communion. There was no opportunity for church attendance. There was no opportunity for a new members class. There was no opportunity for any of that. Simply, Lord, and Jesus said, You'll be with me in paradise. So, simply from that, he's not water baptized. None of that. But Jesus says, You'll be with me in paradise. In professing him in Lord and as king, he was born again that moment. It's difficult to fit the thief into the doctrine of baptism as necessary for salvation. Also, in Acts 10 44 through 48, we have the account of Cornelius's household. And there it says they became believers and they received the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues and then they were water baptized. Okay? You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in other tongues unless you were first what? Saved, born again. So they are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then water baptized. So while water baptism is obviously, I've already said, it's a sacrament of the church. It is important. It is vital. It is needed. It is a command that God has given to us. I do not believe that it is necessary or required for salvation. you know what's required for salvation? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he is Lord and you're saved. then get water baptized because Jesus told us to. Amen. because Paul told us to because Peter told us to because it is part of our it is part of church history, culture and tradition which by the way, tradition is not always inherently a bad or evil word. The traditions of men are but the traditions of the church are not. Are you all with me? Amen. So, on Sunday, we have baptism service. How many people do we have right now, Castle? We have 34 people right now that are being water baptized on Sunday, which is wonderful, exciting. And hopefully tonight helps give you a little bit more of a understanding and grounding as to why we do this. This is something we talk about all the time. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna, that's exactly what it's gonna be like on Sunday. Line them up, y'all. Stick your heads in. We're just gonna go around. The, I'm playing. I'm, I'm playing. It's a lot of people in a little bit of time, but it's gonna be wonderful. And I want to encourage you to do this because I don't have time to get too deep down this rabbit hole, but. The sacraments are always intended for community, okay? They're intended to be observed, and they're intended to be upheld inside of community, right? Communion and baptism are intended to happen inside of community, okay? And I don't have time to teach on it right now, but they're intended for community, both of those. They're really not intended to be even just observed by an individual. They're intended to be observed inside of community, inside of people that you are around, people you love, people that you are doing life with. So I want to encourage you with this. If at all possible, if you are not being water baptized on Sunday, and you can be there for the in-between and observe and be part of these people as their lives are undergoing this incredibly important, vital, and momentous occasion because it's a big deal. It's a it's not something light. This is a big deal. I want to encourage you be here to cheer those people on who are inside of our community, to pray for them, to uphold them, to shout and cheer with them as they go through this outward expression, as they go through this situation where they are being buried. The dead man is being buried and a new man is arising where they're going through that outward expression, where they are going through that sacramentum, that allegiance that they are pledging to the Lord. Let's come out. Let's support those people. If you haven't signed up yet and you want to get signed up, I know there's already 34 people. Don't let that uh, uh, hold you back. We'll get in there and we'll dunk two people at a time if we need to. It's big enough that we can actually do that. So. Get signed up if you want to be water baptized. If you haven't, or maybe, like I said, maybe you were baptized whenever you were a kid and you had no clue of what you were doing. You were just like, okay, I'm just going to go jump in the water. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And I'm going to get there's power whenever you know what you're doing, there's power in revelation. And if you feel like you just need to hop in there because you need to do it with the revelation, because the first time you were baptized, you didn't have the revelation, but now you want to get baptized with understanding. I encourage you, sign up. We're going to baptize people on Sunday. We Will We stand up to your feet? Did you get something out of this tonight? Listen I, know this isn't, listen, I know this isn't the exciting run around the room thing, but it'll build you up and it'll ground you if you grab hold of this. Lift your hands to the Lord tonight. I want you to pray with me tonight. Say, Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church, for what you're doing in this community. We thank you, Lord, for the rights we have, for the sacraments of communion and of baptism. Lord, we thank you that as we do these things, that we're pledging our allegiance, we're pledging our devotion to you and to your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, tonight for what you're doing. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name.